Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for tuning in, inviting me in for a little bit of time here today as I share God's Word with you. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say that we are learning how to live as God's people, and we do this by reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. Well, there's a story about a world-class runner. They were invited to compete in a road race in Connecticut, and on the morning of the race, she drove to from New York City uh, following the directions that she was given over the telephone, or at least that's what she thought she did, but she got lost, and so she stopped at a gas station. It's a time before cell phones and GPS systems, so she stopped at a gas station and asked for help. She knew that the race started in the parking lot of a shopping mall, and the station had attendant also happened to know of such a race scheduled just up the road and directed her there. When she arrived, she was relieved to see the parking lot. It had some runners in it, not as many as she expected. And uh, she also found out the race was, it was a shorter race, not as difficult as she had planned for. But she hurried over to the registration desk and announced herself and She was a little surprised by the race officials, their excitement at having such a renowned athlete show up for their race. They had no record of her entry, but they sure could fit her in if she'd hurry up and put on a number. She could just make it before the starting gun. So she ran, and naturally she won the race very easily, four minutes ahead of the next runner at second place. So only after the race... When prizes, or at least no prizes, were really handed out, uh, she realized that she'd run not the race which she had been invited to, but a different race. The other race that she was invited to was several miles further up the road in another town, and she'd gone to the wrong starting line, she'd rung the wrong course, and missed her chance to win a valuable, valuable prize. Well, she ran the wrong race, and though she came in first, she didn't get the prize that she wanted. And so the question for you is, are you sure that you are running the right race? That's the Apostle Paul's concern. He knew there are many demands on a person's time, efforts, thoughts, and morality, and without realizing it, the daily demands of of family, of career, culture can call you down the wrong pathway, and before you know it, you're running trying to win a race of life on the wrong track. Please, make sure the race that you are running is for a lasting, eternal prize, and that you train and discipline yourself so that you're not disqualified for that prize. The text I'm alluding to comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, and it reads like this. Do you not know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it all to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others... I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul writes these words to the Christians who are in Corinth. Um, We were there last week reading 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Here we are again hearing an address to those who are trying to follow Jesus in the city of Corinth. And uh, they're facing a lot of challenges. And this should be expected. As I mentioned last week, no person is perfect. And so no church is perfect. 
And it's okay. There's going to be some messes, but it's not okay to want to live in the mess. And unfortunately, the Corinthian church was actually kind of happy to live in their mess. Um, Essentially, all of Paul's letters written to churches are intended to encourage and then to correct problems. Uh, As I was getting ready for this message, I stumbled across a little image, uh, a photograph on the internet that kind of jokingly describes the basic structure of Paul's letters. It kind of highlights how he wants to encourage and then how he (laughs) uh, wants them to get their problems fixed. And so the the little image reads like this, just the different steps to Paul's letters. It says at the top, this is a general Pauline letter outline. First, grace. Secondly, I thank God for you. Third, hold fast to the gospel. Fourth, for the love of everything holy, stop being stupid. Fifth, Timothy says hi. Yeah, all the churches were really struggling because they were all growing, being shaped, being transformed, and they had an old life of sin that was being left behind for a new life in Christ. And and that growth is not easy. Now, the Corinthian church had some problems probably... Uh, perhaps more than its fair share. Uh, Some of the believers felt they were spiritually superior to others. They were divided over which apostle they followed. They abused spiritual gifts. They they faced sexual immorality. Uh, Their problems were very human and very Corinthian. They were very much fitting into the culture of what everybody else around them was doing. Simply put, the Corinthian church was starting to run the wrong race, and Paul wants them to get back on track. And so, he warns them using language they would understand, because as I mentioned last week, I'll mention again this week, Corinth as a city was famous for its athletic games. Every two years, they held the Isthmian Games. These were second only in prominence to the Olympics. And uh, originally, these games were just for Greeks, but now they're open to the whole world. And so, the city of Corinth and the people of Corinth understood the discipline of training, of running a race, of of boxing in a fight, of competing to win. And so, Paul challenges them to look at their life and their faith as a race, as a boxing match, as an athletic competition, and to train and discipline themselves so they will win the prize. Even more sharply, Paul does not want them, as he uses the word, to become disqualified. And to avoid being disqualified, Paul encourages them to train themselves, to discipline themselves, to to grow, to do the necessary work of preparation for the race of the Christian life. And so, ha, what we get is this. Self-discipline is essential in the Christian life. There was a father who told about problems he had in getting his son to clean his room, and the son would always agree to tidy up, but then he wouldn't follow through. After high school, the young man joined the Marine Corps, and he came home for leave after basic training, and his father asked him what he'd learned in the service in his training time, and the boy said, Dad, I learned what now means. <laughs> he he got that figured out, huh? Living a self-disciplined life is a challenge. Living a self-disciplined spiritual life is even more so. Why is self-discipline and training so important? Well, Paul describes strict training, not just boxing aimlessly at the air, but strengthening yourself so you win the prize. And so let's just take a minute and talk about this idea of discipline, of training. So what is discipline? Well, it's training with a purpose. And the purpose here is to win the prize or accomplish the goal. 
A dictionary definition focuses more on uh, moral compliance, but we can see how discipline, the definition, affects the idea of training for competition. So in a dictionary, you might read, if you look up the word discipline, it says control gained by enforcing obedience or order or training that corrects, that molds or perfects the mental faculties or moral character. But I think we can get what Paul's talking about with training here, that, that correction, that molding, that perfecting that really shapes who you are. A third definition is to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. Thus... This training focuses you for the task at hand. It eliminates distractions. It will be challenging. Such discipline will push you to new levels of skill far beyond what you think you're capable of. If your self-discipline isn't pushing you, then it's probably not preparing you. Think of self-discipline as preparation, the preparation we need before the main event. Musicians, they learn their craft step by step. They, they read music. They learn how to keep tempo and follow the beat. They, they practice scales. They train the muscle memory of their hands and their, their arms. And they make a million mistakes practicing before their performance. A painter, an artist, must learn how to hold the brush, how, to, how the paint sticks and moves on a canvas, how they mix and blend together. They, they must learn the rules of comp- composition or how to capture light and shadow and movement and emotion. And they do all this before they make their masterpiece. And an athlete must train, learning the rules of the game, developing their muscles and their coordination. And they have to learn, they have to train. It's easy for us to see the final product, the final performance, the masterpiece, to cherish that and forget about the thousand steps that it took to get there. Paul is telling us that the spiritual life of the Christian is much the same as that of a musician or an artist or an athlete. Right now is your time of training before the main event. And I hesitate to call heaven the main event, but certainly we are aimed at heaven. But there are many moments here on earth where you will be called to shine for Christ. And you need to discipline yourself now so that you are ready to shine at your best. So that's a little bit of what discipline is. But why don't we like discipline? What makes it so difficult? Well, discipline requires hard work. The quote goes like this, hard work <clears throat> Excuse me. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Yeah, we don't like the work of discipline, but it's needed. Discipline requires sacrifice. The kind of spiritual discipline that Jesus is looking for is antithetical to our American culture. We like to get our way, right? And so that leads me to the next thing. Discipline requires submission. In the case of the race, we run for Christ and we submit to his plan and to his lordship. Discipline requires priority. When you train, you give up immediate pleasure, immediate other things you want to do to pursue a greater goal. And it's hard to truly think long-term, let alone eternally. And this leads to why the Christian needs to discipline themselves to run well. So why? So, okay. We're learning a little bit about what discipline is. We're learning about why it's not so fun to discipline ourselves, to train ourselves. But why should we care about running the race and disciplining ourselves? Well, Aristotle said that through discipline comes freedom. And that's true. He got it right. 
What you gain through the disciplined life far outweighs what you give up, and it's even more so the case for the Christian. That is, the disciplined Christian trades a temporary reward for an eternal crown. That's something that Paul writes about and something we often struggle with. It's very difficult to know what is temporary and what is not. There's so many things in our world that look like they're going to last forever, but they're not. And as a Christian, we train for what is eternal. So, if anything looks like it could withstand the test of time, it's Mount Rushmore, those great uh, faces of the president carved in granite. Scientists estimate that the granite faces uh, will erode about one inch every 10,000 years. At that pace, the sculpture feels enduring. In fact, they even calculated out till, you know, they, they might lose the, the look of a face in something like 2.4 million years. Who can even conceive of that amount of time? But up close, maintenance crews have found something disturbing. There are cracks running along the granite faces of Washington, Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Lincoln. In 2008, the Rapid City Journal reported that the landmark had 144 cracks that needed to be sealed with patches and caulking, and annual reinforcements were going to be needed for cracks that have already been repaired. Experts say that without annual maintenance all the time, every year, the world's largest sculpture could begin to crumble. Because when water runs into those cracks and freezes in the wintertime, it pushes on the rock with a force of 2,000 pounds per square inch. Now, all of a sudden, that sculpture that seemed like it's going to last forever sounds precariously like it's going to come apart if we don't pay attention, even for a couple of years. In our lives, there's a lot of good goals. Things like healthy family, satisfying career, enjoying the world we live on. But the Christian sees that these things are good and that knows that these goals are good, but knows that there is yet a far better one that lasts even longer. Eternity. In the Olympics and the Isthmian Games, the reward for victory wasn't a gold medal, but instead it was a crown. And it wasn't a medal crown. It was won in the Olympics, if you won in the times of Paul, you would get a crown made of olive leaves. In the Isthmian Games, you would get a crown made of pine boughs or celery leaves. I am not a fan of celery, so that's even less motivating. But heroes, even heroes from battles, Roman battles, were crowned with laurel leaves. In all those cases... The crowns, these crowns made of leaves, would wither in just days after the celebration. And Paul's making a comparison. He's saying, look at the effort these athletes are putting forth for such a temporary reward. Is it not worth even more effort to run well for an eternal crown? So the question then must be asked of me and, and of you. Of Are you putting your time and energy into that which is eternal or temporary. It is far better to invest in the eternal. Something else about it, um, a reason why we should care about running the race. And, you know, First, we, we want the eternal reward as opposed to the temporary. But secondly, being disciplined. Disciplined running in the race is an act of honoring Christ. When we run with discipline, when we train with discipline, it's an act of worship. 
It's an act of gratitude. It's an act of faith. It's an act of obedience, a way of honoring Jesus. That's why we follow Paul's words. He says, run to win. Run with self-discipline. Train yourself. Thirdly, discipline keeps you focused on the goal. Because it's so easy to get distracted, isn't it? Two angels looked down on the people of planet Earth, and one asked the other, what are they doing down there? And the other replied, they're going. But the first said, where are they going? Oh, said the other, they're not going anywhere. They're just going. Maybe you felt like that in your life, that you're just going, 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 and you're not getting anywhere. The disciplined spiritual life can change this. Actually, this is one reason I like uh, that Paul uses the running metaphor. It, it captures it so well because running, we can see how it requires training and concentration and implies a goal. In fact, it is the goal that defines a foot race. Um, when you're running and there's actually a goal you're getting to, that, that changes everything as opposed to just running around the neighborhood. That's no... Well, maybe some people that's fun for, but when you actually have a goal in the race, the end line, a finish line, that changes everything and keeps you focused. And Paul tells us to run in such a way as to get the prize. The goal defines the race. And without a goal, you're just going to wear yourself out. Fourthly, discipline prepares you for sharing Jesus with others. We cannot save others unless we master ourselves first. We cannot teach what we do not know. We cannot lead people to Jesus if we've not found him in our own life. And so we run. We run with discipline. And then we can share Jesus with others. We don't have to be perfect at it. We've got to make an effort at it. Fifthly, discipline can prevent disqualification. Think of an area of your life that does not have discipline. Just take a moment, think of that. For me, it's easy. If you know me at all, if you've seen me at all, yeah, I've got extra pounds, way too many extra pounds. I'm overweight. I'm unhealthy. And my lack of discipline in that area has led to some misery. Think of the areas you're not disciplined in. Would you agree that you're miserable in those areas? Without discipline, we wander in life. We become miserable and we begin to wonder what the point of everything. But Paul uses a word that should seriously get our attention, disqualified. And that is a very serious word. And I need to bring your attention to this. The Christian does not run the race or train themselves in order to get to heaven. The Christian is in the race because they have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Please hear that. Do not hear Paul's words today about running, saying, well, that's how I get to heaven. I got to run well. Mm. No, you get to heaven because Jesus Christ has purchased salvation for you by giving his life on the cross, conquering death through his resurrection. The way to heaven is by believing in Jesus, by receiving Jesus for his forgiveness, and by submitting to his lordship. Once you become a Christian, you are now a citizen of Christ's kingdom, and you need to live as such. Here's what I'm getting at. Warren Wearsby writes about this. He says this, Only Greek citizens were originally allowed to participate in the games. They had to obey the rules both in their training and in their performing. Any contestant found breaking the training rules was automatically disqualified. 
They actually had an official who at the beginning of a race, before the race was run, would stand before the crowd and would announce if anyone had become disqualified because they didn't train properly. And so now we see what Paul's saying. Make sure you're training properly because if you don't, you may not even get to the race. Now, for the Olympics, for the Isthmian Games, only one runner could win uh, the olive wreath crown or whatever the award was. But every believer can win an incorruptible crown when he stands before the judgment seat of Christ. This crown is given to those who discipline themselves for the sake of serving Christ and winning lost souls. They keep their bodies under control and keep their eyes on the goal. As Wearsby finishes... Paul's not challenging you to earn heaven, but to live as a citizen of heaven. I want you to run for the prize of Christ because it is the best way to live. Will you do this? As I was getting ready for this message, I was reading um, Eugene Peterson, his some of his own teaching on this passage, and he delivered a message on this text, and he ended with a quote. And I wanted to share those words with you. The quote was from a hymn. And so here these words. Run the straight race through God's grace. Lift thine eyes and seek his face. Life with its way before us lies. Christ is the path and Christ the prize. Lord, help each of us to run well for you. This world's full of distractions. It's full of desires and demands. Help each one of us to discern the race of running after you. Let us live disciplined lives so that we would not be disqualified, but instead help each of us to honor you and represent you as citizens of your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.